Welcome to LOI Central. Just millimeters past the touchline and coming into your living room, it's Dan and Johnny. Hello, welcome to episode 26 of LOI Central. We are flying through the season and on today's show we have Pat Finnan and Tommy Barrett uh, calling in to discuss the Ireland game, to discuss referees in the League of Ireland and uh, to discuss uh, their respective clubs as well and the League of Ireland season so far. We are, as ever, in association with futureticketing.ie and how great it is to see fans back at games. I think 1,800 now in Terryland for the visit of Limerick Friday, as an example. Um, and it's just uh, wonderful at the Viva Stadium last night to see uh, crowds back at games uh, with Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Later on in the show, a four-star pizza will be given away to someone hungry and lucky. Dan, what is the story? You're tired. You've, you, 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 you laid it on the line when you came in. And I have to say, when I was watching the Portugal game the other night, I was like, this is an absolute nightmare for a journalist. It's a late kickoff. Not only one late goal, but two late goals. And then you pointed out you've actually had three games of that over the last week. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not tired because of that. I'm just tired. Because wedding anniversary today? Wedding anniversary today. Yeah. I mean, I'm not just to be it's clear. our anniversary. I'm not tired of marriage either. I'm very happy. I just want to clarify. Four, four, four years. Four years, which, I mean, brings us back to the first, four more years. first series that have <laughs> that, Forget about Stephen that, that, that was the That was the chance this morning. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, I mean, four years of that means people remember our first podcast series. We spent a lot of time talking about the build up to the wedding. So, actually, I mean, we've I'd been, we've been, that, we've been yeah. together as a podcast. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised you've forgotten that. Like, you, can't remember what, you can't remember what you thought a minute ago. Your, but like, your we, wedding speech was, was, in fairness, it was one of the more memorable of weddings it was very good points me at the time yeah you did um, yeah. yeah but i mean, I mean you've, you've stuck it out so our, far. our union has lasted for longer in mm. terms of a podcast like five mm. years you know so in, in the world in the shelf life podcast that's seven year itch of course is the issue um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get through this show to be honest um but yeah anyway you, you've you've had an interesting life ah, yeah. a journalist in the last six days alone now it has been. I mean, International Week is always, it brings its own pace. And this bloody, I think it's just that, the whole Kenny era in general. And I mean, we are a League of Ireland podcast. I know we're veering into international discussion, which isn't for everyone, um, because, you know, they want to discuss league affairs. But the Kenny thing is so intertwined with it. Um, and actually in such a way that there's such labels and generalizing applied that it's actually, I think our listenership is a good barometer of it, because I'm pretty sure everyone listens to this is a League of Ireland fan. I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this is not 100% we are Kenny. Like, there are doubters... people didn't like him in the league. No, no exactly. Mind, uh, there are da- and, and, like, there are doubters out there who aren't just, like, you know, holding opinions because of their parish, you know, where they're from. And it's, a, it's become a very Irish layer to the whole debate that, yeah, it's just the League of Ireland crowd of one Kenny. Now, there's no doubt in his appointment by John Delaney there was an element of that political the populist. awareness that's 100% the case but I actually don't think that the discussion and the analysis of it is as is as clear cut as that um, but, there, but, it, but I suppose in a way it has added an extra layer of emotion to angles of it when Kenny is de- decried purely as well he's a League of Ireland man the players just must not respect him um, which is actually pretty harsh I think on the players you know in terms of, the, of what they actually are, are like now um, they are open-minded. It doesn't mean it's going to work, um, but I, I, don't, I think if, the, if it doesn't work out, I don't think it's going to be because where Stephen Kenny came from and players decided that's not going to work for me. 
it'll just won't work out. Yeah. It, has, it hasn't worked and out. Put a, decisions, putting a slight League you know? of Ireland slant on it, I don't think that many League of Ireland fans who saw Gavin Bazuna's save against Kieran Sadlier when he was 16, it was so ridiculous at Turner's Cross, are amazed at how good he has soon become. He was off the charts. Oh, last he's a night. superstar. I mean, a like, superstar is exactly the word. In, the in terms of mentality, mad as well, story as well. That, uh, to the fairness, with Paul O'Hare had the story in, in the Mirror last week that uh, the Shamrock Rovers is a brilliant clause in the dealer. Hundred grand a cap. Hundred. I think it's hundred more, more than change. That. Yeah, sorry. A hundred and a bit per cap up to only eight. I mean, it would have been great if like City didn't pay <laughs> Indefinitely. Didn't pay attention to the clause <laughs> and he ends up like Buffon playing 134 times. There's some... There's some contract so, of there's indefinite some, uh, duration. There's some, uh, there's some accountant at Man City every year. Oh, better do my bazooka bill again. Anyway, <laughs> sits down, sits down. Bankrupted in the Middle East. Wire the money. Well, in fairness, they'd probably have to get some kind of uh, advance release clause now and just get around 10 million or something. But no, it's it's up to around a million quid. That's but, how you do a contract. But it actually goes to show, I mean, that's the thing. You're Gavin Bazzini and Matt Doherty on the pitch last night, both of whom have effectively netted or will net 1.5 million. around 1.5 million for their respective clubs. And like Bowes and Shamrock Rovers, who will admire each other in that regard. In, but in the in the discussion, <laughs> in the, the people hearing a Something sound just there, fell out of my pocket. People hearing a sound there. That's Johnny again. Again, <laughs> one of these wonderful moments where Johnny forgets he's actually recording a show at the moment and uh, putting his shoe up to uh, clap it off. To it is it is genuinely an experience. Um, this is why. Do you know what I mean? It's the little things in marriage that wear you down over time. You know, <laughs> it's the little things. And You're still very example. much in love, but, uh, though, as are we. <laughs> I, I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You are know, you in love with the Stephen Kenny sometimes project? Sometimes make decisions. But I, listen, the Bazzini with Doherty thing <laughs> is, is um, you know... That's how it's got to be done, Sometimes though. you just make decisions and stick with something, you know, commit to mm. a project. I mean, maybe the Stephen Kenny thing is just like life, you know? I mean, sometimes you go through a phase of thinking there might be something better Bizarre out there. Bizarre nexus between the, pro- you think, the you Kenny think, project you and you your marriage. there might be something, not my marriage, just the marriage concept yeah. of marriage generally. Sometimes you might go through that stage of thinking, well, maybe there's something more wonderful and exciting out there but sometimes you just got to realise you've got the best thing there right in front of you and, and, and you, the, you're looking at me here <laughs> <are you? laughs> I, I sort of am but um, <laughs> I, I think though like there's so many layers to the debate we'll probably have with the, with the lads coming up soon that you know, how do we bridge the gap between um, ourselves and similar sized nations or, or slightly bigger nations and there's again there's loads to that debate there's cultural differences there's you know one sport countries there's loads to it but actually one thing that should be mentioned th- those things like the Bazzini and the Doherty deal are actually very significant because we need more government funding and we need investment but also we do need to be uh, compensated for the talent that we produce like the entire not one Serbian player last night was playing in their country at the moment um uh, ironically, this weird situation where Ireland had one more home base player in the squad than the other team. But we know that, like Red Star Belgrade, Partizan Belgrade, mm. proper clubs, and Croatia in the same region. I know UEFA produced these um, these sort of benchmarking reports and year long studies that show how countries. Um, make their revenue and it's one of those ones that shows in Ireland most of the revenue comes from say UEFA or gate receipts receipts, whereas in the Balkans it's actually uh, player sales Mm. you know and that that is I mean something we've got so badly wrong um, and has to be a part of the future and we do in the post-Brexit world it's so important that there's a value placed in our players and that's why the value of someone like Gavin Bazzini was incredible this is a a player who was produced here you know, left Ireland at 16, but as I said, looks like you know uh, a superstar. Played a bit of first team football here. It just uh, that stuff is a really good. He's a poster boy 
for maybe where people and want the future to can go. I, can I the also half say... For the half a million that, that Man City played for, paid for Brazzini, which some people would have thought... Mm. And, and it wouldn't have been half someone was on our show earlier this season can't remember who it was yeah so it was um, if Gerald you, O'Brien yeah, yeah if he hadn't paid those six seven games yeah. it's true and there's something in that but 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 also like, the, the, just the point of that that, that um, thing with Bazuna and the, the six figures it is a, it's still a gamble for the for the British club to sign a player for the League of Ireland it's not certain to work out so if you have a clause like that I think everyone is fair down the middle if he makes ten caps for Ireland yeah at that stage we're obviously happy we spend one and a half million that's fine Shamrock Grover's is happy. So, like, you can have a, a decent negotiated position where it's not like Seamus Coleman and the 50, 60 grand nonsense. Like, there should be proper, proper but the, money. Sligo Rovers they, did, they did get money, But this is proper money for League of Ireland Club. It's one and a half million. And, you know, with Jamie McGrath playing last night, Daryl Horgan came on and played well. Um, League of Ireland players have had a, a big role in, in the last while. And it's, it's, it's good to see that Gavin Bazuna left, got his education to a large extent and is clearly learning at Man City as well because he's improving. So this can be done. McGrath, yeah. I, I, someone sent me a clip the other day, it was Eamon Dunphy on his podcast talking about Jamie McGrath and he said something like, and, and this is a reminder of like, you know, the world that, that we live in and our little world and then there's the people who just tune into the Ireland games and that's it. And the odd but Dundalk but game in Europe or Shamrock Rovers in Europe. That's fine. Like, mm. can't, don't, that's, that's can't, be, can't be sniffy about that. Mm. But it was just a funny line. It was like, don't be saying, Jamie McGrath, I, mean, I never even knew he, he existed. Mm. And sort of suggested, did he come from the grassroots or something? I was like, no, he, he actually came through you know, he came through prof- uh, this sort of hybrid version of professional football we have in Ireland. But it's actually, as you can now see, Jamie McGrath has probably outperformed players of his age who were miles ahead of him when he was 16, That's 17. That's the point, yeah. But also technically, like he's, he's got good qualities um, that are make him actually different to some of the other options. And uh, Jamie McGrath's not a great advertisement for... Um, why we need to get our structures right here, but yeah, listen, I'm sick. I, I mean, I'm not that I'm sick of the Kenny debate, it, it, but the, the 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 it's the labelling that comes within it is so grueling, and it does feel like you know Irish football generally is in some kind of. Uh, reckoning or re-examination of itself and we're now seeing and maybe it's just because it was closed doors and we're paying more attention to social media and to views and to comments but there's such wild diversity of views out there about what needs to be done with the national team like a really dramatic diversity of views um and there's actually very little common ground that's going to be found and i think it's going to continue but i think the one thing i would say in the context of this uh of this podcast and in the context of like just like paranoia and fear, people saw stuff the other day about Kenny could be sacked after Serbia, and people were like, "Oh, is this really happening? Like, is this actually happening?" And I actually don't. I mean, I, that wasn't wouldn't have been the case even if they had lost. Why was that in the paper then? Well, I, I, Not were, in the papers. Yeah, but I think that I think, in fairness, what I would say is that the the stories, you know, weren't as definitive as how the stories were subsequently framed. As you know, said it could be, and you know, could be, could be, and. and I, I've done that stuff in my time, so I'm not going to start having a go. And in fact, you know, I do believe that would have been the information coming from particular sources. I just don't think that they might be the strongest voices in terms of actually making the decision, if you know what I mean. And I've I guess, been there I guess what well. I'm saying, I've been guess, there as well. I guess what I'm saying is that, from my understanding of it, I think that the most influential decision makers within the FBI do sort of realise that there's a bigger picture going on here and the optics, not the optics, but the, the potential risk and damage of of uh, getting rid of a homegrown manager after a year when he still has a lot of support amongst football people in the country. Um, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not contradicting myself earlier on because 
there are football people in the country who are have reservations, but quite a lot of them, you know, a large number of them are invested in giving this a bit more time. And I think that's why Kenny, I think, will get more time. I really do believe that that'll be the and case. It's, you it's can always get beaten 5-0 in Azerbaijan and the whole thing can change. We'll get to but the without that, I think things will, will, yeah. will continue. And this will grow, but it's, it's, le- it's led to a sort of, you realise what's out there and the views that are out there. And you may not like all the views. And there are people who may always think that Ireland need uh, a Jack Charlton type figure to come in and, and save them. But that's a legacy of our history. Um, and it takes time to actually change that. And I think in the, stage in, in, in the League of Ireland as well, we've almost um, taken it for granted now when you look at, what, five players last night came through the League of Ireland at some point or another off the top of my head. We've almost taken that for probably, granted. Probably more than that. Probably more. And that, that never used to happen, you know. And also, like, the home-based under-17 team that beat Mexico the other day, the 21s with uh, the Bows lads, UCD, Bray Wanderers players, um, two first division no, it's a, it's a two first chance. division clubs having players having a major role for the under 21s um, so that's something no maybe it's tallying with the fact that the national yeah but we also have to get to the point as well and I think this is a key point where we stop looking at our underage oh there's eight League of Ireland players in it and it just ceases to become a discussion that you know, they're all players they're all people you know no I know but Dan this was all, not the case what was Vinny Persline earlier yeah. in the season we are all God's children yeah, they're all God's children that, you know what I mean um, like, you know, but, but this is the this is the point that looking back at the we old, have to uh, we have to to stop, like I think there's a sense of you know, or, or there's two League of Ireland players in the starting know, eleven, and there's a big force around. I know, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. I, I can do that. As Jim well Crawford too. is Jim Crawford is like it doesn't really matter. They're all, matter. but like I'm, I'm, I went home the two weeks ago and found like the old Irish soccer magazine and had great. You have fun. to bring them in and read them at some stage. Yeah, looking at don't raise, don't waste your stories. So w- w- just one of them yesterday. Don't bring any of your other teenage a, magazines. A, a in. guy, a guy, <laughs> uh, reading my, a guy from Trinidad. FHM or something. Okay. Did you have that in Galway? Um, no, like it was, it was no Ireland. Zone, more of an Ireland, Ireland zone, zone man, yeah, and, yeah. Um, woman's way and that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was like there was there was talk of I think nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine talk of where's the Super League going to happen, the North South and all this and, and and so on and so forth. But in those days, there were no League of Ireland players playing for Ireland at any level, really, pretty much. So in in that sense, uh, oh, we had the Malaysian Marvels, and we uh, did. So the, the well, there were there was actually a couple. I don't think it's that dramatic a change. But listen, let's go to our guest Pat Fenlon and Tommy Barrett, and we will discuss. Uh, the, the Malaysian Marvels were an outlier, by the way, at the time. A massive no, outlier. I know, but... The, the and, and some of them were snapped up then by League of Ireland. I know, Ireland but I'm just so saying on. that the, the, there was a presence in squads around that time of League of Ireland representation. So they did, it, wasn't, it wasn't like it wasn't quite as, as bleak as you presented to be, but clearly it's far, far better now. But listen, let's go to Pat Fenlon and Tommy Barrett uh, to discuss the Ireland game last night and a few other uh, matters, and we'll, we'll look at the weekend's games on the other end of this chat. Yeah, welcome along to Pat Finn and then Tommy Barrett. Pat, first of all, start with you. You were in the Aviva Stadium last night. Your thoughts? I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's, it's back to a proper game. Real lively atmosphere in the stadium from start to finish and uh, a really good performance and a really, really top talented away team to to sort of watch them in the in the, in the flesh to say. Um, I thought they were fantastic all over the pitch. Serbia did real quality. Um you know, just the physicality, them, the pace, the movement, the first touch technique was 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 a joy to watch. But in saying that, it's very rare you come away from enjoying an away team and enjoying the home team's performances. So it was it was pleasing. It was very pleased. Some great individual performances from Ireland. And as a team, we didn't have a lot of the ball, but when we had it, we used it quite well, I thought. So yeah, very pleasing. Um the goalkeeper obviously was a standout. He was he was fantastic. Presumably made 
some terrific saves and you know, also his distribution was fanta- fantastic as well. And Norma Bamadeli, I thought for a young boy coming in in that game and in Portugal um, was exceptional as well. So, no, I really did enjoy it. I thought the crowd got involved in the game. And even when we, we conceded that goal, the crowd stayed with us, which I think was important. And they were just they're waiting on something to happen. Um, and they weren't let down. I think we played a really, really good team last night. Got a good result in the end and a decent performance. Tommy? I think Pat said everything there. That's, you know, it's more polished than I put it. It's, it's you know, everything spot on. Um, I agree with all that. I, I just suppose the Serbian players, you know, the technical ability and the one and two touch stuff around the box was, was fantastic wow. to watch. And, and it shows where we have to get to, you know, and that, you know, that's a bigger issue, obviously. But I, I'd wonder looking at them, you know, futsal again in those countries and, and, you know, from an early age and, and the technique, like we're talking about our defenders and goalkeepers being our best players. And, you know, that seems to be the case. And look, Troy Parrott did well and he's a good lad in that, but we certainly have to work on the, the, the more technical side and attacking side of things. That, 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 that was the obvious um, t- point to take away. How can we play like Serbia? Because their one-twos, their, their movement, everything, like it's miles ahead of us. We, in terms of actual attacking and technical stuff, we did very little. So where do, you're talking about futsal. How do we get to that? Look, futsal, futsal and the likes of them programs are, you know, they, they're a help, but they're not the, the, the end answer. It's, it's a culture. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's probably a football culture change, but we don't need to, you know, we don't, I believe anyway, we, we have to create our own, you know, we can't be just copying everyone else. We're still going to have that grit and resilience and, you know, we've we got to mix it up, but we certainly have to try. Um, like I'm still going to under nine and tens matches and, and I'm, I'm seeing people on the sidelines saying, get rid of the ball, like, you know, mm-hmm. so... Like the ball is your friend, and, and I still think that that culture of, of just getting rid of it and the nervousness is still there. Um, I, particularly down this side of the country, anyway, I find that it's, it's 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 about winning very early, and it's about getting rid of the ball, and it's almost a panic, and it's about the coaches, and it's it's not about the players, you know. And I think we have to get away from that from a very early age, and and just just you know put that process in place and it has to be come from the top and um, you know hopefully the new FEI you know they're in there long enough now can can and can um, in, implement a proper development plan once and for all and I think that's the, the only way we're going to get it to be quite honest. Pat I mean so much of the debate in the last week has centred around Stephen Kenny's position it's it, it feels like we're having the same discussion after every game um, uh, like what do you what have you made of that generally? Like what what do you make of of Stephen's position at the moment and how it's actually going for him? I think one thing on that. I think before I go into that, I think Tommy's point is, is very valid. It, it, the, the the performance last night from us was good, but the big the big worry coming out of the game is the difference in the teams, the difference in 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 the players, you know. And that's we've spoke about you know from middle to front we are so lacking. In, in real top top quality, um, you know, and, and that again leads into the bigger discussion around how we're developing our players. But in relation to Stephen's position, I did play on the radio last night. We're going to continue to have this debate after every game. If we go to Azerbaijan and draw those, we're back to the same scenario. You know, the manager's position is under threat. It's got to be, you know, someone at the top has got to come out and say, "Listen, this is what we're doing." We, 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 you know, Stephen's in place to take the team forward if that's what they want. If he's only in place to qualify us for this tournament, well, then you move on. I don't believe that's the case. 
But I think if if to stop that discussion and that act debate, someone's got to come out and say, listen, we have a plan in place. We're going to have a little bit of hurt for a period of time, which we're having at the moment. We haven't qualified for a World Cup for a long time. But there has to be a bigger plan, not just around Stephen's position, because for me, I know Stephen came out and said, you know, he, he, he feels he's got to develop players. And I don't think so. You know, Stephen's job is to manage the senior international team, but he's got to have time to develop that team. The development of players is other people's. Um, because he's getting them when they're developed, when they're nearly finished. You mm. can add them, and you can help them, you can bring them along, and you can coach them. And but but it's the has to, the process has to start very young. How it's young, Pat? You look at the players; they're just the, the natural ability of these players is what stands out to me. You know, their movement, their technique, their touch, their awareness, and that's where we're lacking. There's is no that natural though, or coached? Yeah, well, it goes back to everything. It goes back to the underage structures. It goes back to the coaching of the underage structures. Again, back into that, do you have to win every week? Is that important? No, when you're playing underage football. So there's a bigger picture in there, and it's a much bigger discussion than, you know, Stephen's job. Stephen, like I said, that, that for me, in relation to the discussion around every time we play a football match, if we win or lose, there's a different dynamic. If you take it from Portugal to Azerbaijan, Portugal, we were brilliant. Azerbaijan, we were terrible, and the manager should go. And that 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 can continue. We got to something's got somebody's got to come out and say, "Listen, this is the plan. This is what we're doing." And Stephen's going to be in place for that, or we're getting a new manager. Simple as that. Um, for me, and anyway, to stop that conversation around, um, is the manager good enough? Is he not good enough? Give him a chance. You know, give him the tools, give him the backing, and let him at it. Um, if 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 you take that, the Serbias, Portugal, Spains, England, we we normally. If, Equate ourselves quite well against them because we have to defend a lot, we have to counter attack, we break away. But when we come to the teams that, and not this is not just Stephen Kenny's problem, this has been a problem for a good few campaigns now. When we come to the teams that we're supposed to beat at the Aviva, we can't because we don't have the wherewithal or the or the the goal going to go and beat them teams. That's the real key for me. How can we find a way of playing to be able to beat them teams? Um, because we don't have that technical player that is going to hurt going to hurt uh, the teams that get in and sit in against us and make it difficult. I think you've seen we've been fine on the counter-attack when teams open up and play against us and open the pitch up. We cope with that quite well. Um, but when we have to break teams down, we struggle. And that's been that's been going on for, I don't know how long, but it's it's probably two or three campaigns now where the Aviva, if you go back to the good old days, the Aviva was a horrible place to come for teams. It's not anymore. It's a lovely stadium. The pitch is fantastic. And teams come there and, and make it difficult for us that we should be... When the draw comes out, we always look at and say, right, well, the top team, we, we get out and against them, be great. Second team, yeah, we might be able to beat them at home, nick a point away. The rest of them, we should be able to beat. That's not the case anymore. And we're now in that category of other teams looking at us saying exactly that, that we, we might be able to take points off for them home and away in the, that lower-ranking team. So it's a bigger problem. Probably too much there about it. But. No, 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 that's fine. I mean, Pat, I'm just wondering, like... I think that point is a significant one you make, though, about bringing some certainty to the whole situation. Because you've managed, I don't know, like you, you went over to Hibbs, say, and you probably would have faced questions of, well, you know, he hasn't managed in this league and at this, yeah. this level before. And I suppose there's a comparable aspect to maybe Stephen's situation. I know there's a different difference between club and international 
Um, but there's always, I guess you probably always face questions when you were there about what well, he doesn't, he doesn't know this league or something like that. Like, do, do you need more security just to, to get more time to get your feet under the table? Like, do you feel that no matter how, no matter what Stephen says, he, he's clearly paying attention to some of this commentary, and and the fear is that then that leads to influence his decisions in some way. So you actually would welcome certainty soon from his perspective to, to give him that security. Absolutely. I think, you know, like you say, when we went to Scotland, that was the position, you know, people saying, oh, well, you shouldn't have got a job. There's better managers in Scotland. There's local boys know the league better and all that. And you, that's that's fine. You know, you have no issue with that. That's You've got to go and prove yourself. And, you know, that's, that's in, in all management, you've got to go and prove yourself. You know, the big question for me as well is, is, is a lot of senior players are moving on and we're having to develop a, a new team. But the other problem here is that association are in a dire position financially. With no sponsor, we're not going to the World Cup. That all means there's a lack of revenue coming in. So there's, I see it from both sides a little bit. I just think it, it just a bit of clarity will help. I was in Aviva yesterday at six o'clock and I watched Steve from, because I've been in that position and Tommy have been in that position where he's sitting on the bench on his own to watch the warm up even before the warm-up, and you're thinking, you know what's going through his head. And then I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen Stephen probably as animated when we equalised. Mm. And that's just pure relief. That's all that is. It's just pure relief. It's joy, obviously, but it's pure relief as well because he's he's had to deal with that all week. And I just think it would be helpful if he come out and say, listen, this is the plan. This is what we're doing. We're going to extend Stephen's contract. If that's what, if they don't, then you just say, listen, we'll let it run to the end of the campaign. You know, but it's, it's a, uh, it, there's a lot, there's a job of work to do. There's a big job of work to do. And I'll me relate back to a new FAI. We've yet to see that change for me. You know, I, you know, there's people in there that have gone in. We need to be changed. We, need, we know the game needs real structure around it. I'm not convinced the structures at the moment are, are what we what we require or what we need. I think it needs change. Yeah. So Tommy, on that point, maybe to broaden it out beyond um, just the Stevens position, although we haven't really got your take on that, but I mean. Is that is that your philosophy on the whole thing that there's a there's a bigger picture here, um, in terms of football? And I guess your, you know, through the treaty project, you would have been watching. I'm guessing a lot of underage football, and you've made reference to maybe cultural feelings in your side of the country about ball retention and stuff like that. Um, look, what's your take on on the state of play, sort of below the radar at the moment, below the bonnet? How are, are things looking from your end of things? Look, I think we have some very good coaches in, in the underage international teams and they're doing the best that they can and, and very good, you know, high performance um, people on the ground. Um, and, you know, those, they have been appointed now and will, you know, full-time academies or even a different model where we link with schools and we have lads in five and six times a week because at the moment we're not. We're getting them in, you know, two to three times a week max um, and you know, for an hour at a time, and it's it's not it's not enough when you look at the other countries, the other top countries. Um, so it needs significant investment. And uh, I'll pat touching that, the if you're in a in a in a dire straight straight still because you don't even have a sponsor and, and finances there. So maybe government needs to step in, and we need to lobby them a bit more. And the FEI need to do that to to, to get more money to to fund. Um, and uh, the league and create an industry, but you know, th there's two things need to happen. We need, we need, we need money and we need funding. We need a mindset change how we develop our players, you know. And and 
um, you know, that, it, that particularly from an attacking point of view, and I, I believe, you know, it, it's easy to set up teams and, and pack kind of touch on it there. Well, then it's not easy, but it certainly is. There's no problem. It's not a massive big deal to defend, put 10 behind the ball and, and counter-attack. You know, we can all do that. Um, but just to unlock those second and t- t- uh, third tier teams, I think, you know, I agree totally with Pat. I think we have to develop players to do that now because, you know, you you watch most, most games now, you know, teams will just drop off you and it's very difficult. Even top teams will drop off you and, and look to counter at times and it's very difficult to break them down. So um, we have to, to to come up with something to unlock that. And, and I think that takes a massive mindset shift plus huge investment. And you and need, I think that's what's needed. And and like like it, 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 really the stuff about Stephen Kenny is is complete kind of waffle. It's neither here nor there. People in this country have to be asking why year after year after year after year after year are football teams coming to Lansdowne Road and just passing the ball far quicker and better than we are. So like we need four year olds presumably working on their touch. We need five year olds being well able to do these things because like this is, this is an intrinsic problem. It's not that we're Irish. It's that we're not properly coached. Well, we're, not, we're not given, and it's not all about coaching, Johnny. Like you know, look, we can only do so much. It's 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 about lads playing football on the streets. It's mm. about you know creating an environment where lads can play indoor for the winter, and you know putting mm. structures in place like this. We still have winter leagues at underage, and lads in four and five matches in the year. You know, put them indoors. We have enough facilities. Play the futsal in the winter and leave the kids play. We're not playing enough. It's about playing as well. You know, it's a game at the end of the day, and lads learn as much on the street or um, from um, playing with their, their peers or playing with all the lads. We don't have a reserve team for the uh, league, for example. We still have only an under-19 division and lads can play down, but they're only a year older. You know, so, like, can we leave our injured play, players play with those 19s? Like, I don't see why not. You know, like, they're, they're physical enough at 17 and 18 for, for a couple of older lads. And you'd learn more from an older lad at centre-back than you would in, in an hour and a half playing with him. Then a coach would teach you, or you coach a lad for six weeks, you know. So we, we have to get those structures right, and and we're a long way off doing that. There doesn't seem to be any, you know, foresight, you know, and they're not listening to to people like the experience of Pat and you know I've, I've heard Stephen Henderson come out during the week and, and about this and like it's like those lads aren't listening to you know we we've went to knowledge and we have knowledge there, but it's just like mm-hmm. yeah the administration side of the FEI. You know, they're trying their best, I'm sure, and they were left in the heat. But, mm. you know, we need to nail it down. It should be a top-down approach. This is what's happening. We're doing this. All the other leagues coming under it. And there's no voting system in place. And we have to change that whole thing because it's like everyone is trying to hold on to power. As far as I can see, the junior leagues want to hold on to power. The schoolboy leagues want to hold on to power. Look, lads, this is the way it is. This is what we think is the best plan. We're managing the situation. We move on. You know, and because it hasn't worked and it's, it's, it's not going to work unless someone makes that real difficult decision. I'll probably get hammered for saying that. Yeah, no, I, think, I, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, th- I think like, I think there's, I think there's yeah, sorry, Dan. No, no, go on, Pat. Yeah. The, the, there's a very valid point in what you said, and there's one real key point to that. And, and people talk about coaching. Air players are overcoached at the moment. But obviously, you know, we, we, natural ability is sort of being left to, you know, we, we sometimes we see what they can't do and try change that rat and see what they can do and encourage that. And that's a big factor as well. But the coaching, the coaching structure, um, you know, it needs to be looked at. There's not, no point saying, and, and I know a lot of the, the lads involved in the coaching structure and they're all, they're all, and they maybe need help and education and, 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 and further development. 
you know. So I think that you got to be careful with the coaching end of that. We don't overcoach kids and coach what they're really good at out of them. And that can be a major problem, we feel. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because I was going to say, Johnny, you said they're not getting proper coaching. And I, I, I would disagree with that. I think it's, there's, there's more to it. And I think it's, I was going to turn to you, Pat, because, like, for example, you worked with a young Wes Houlihan. Um, we all know players who've played in the League of Ireland who were technically excellent, you know, but they couldn't develop for other abilities. Like, I noted this uh, kid, Andrew Moran, that's at Brighton at the moment, uh, who came from Bray. I spoke to someone at Brighton who's described him as more Spanish than Irish in terms of his playing style. Like, we do have these talents, but it's about the culture that allows them to, to flourish, you know? I mean, did you even find that pat with a young Wes, you know, that there was times you probably couldn't use him, if you know what I mean, even though he had an incredible ability. And is that part of it, or is there a broader a broader element you're looking at? I think that, that you know, when I had Wes, he was he was he was very young. He'd actually come in, you know, and and, and Wes was sort of a wide, a wide left player without, you know, having loads of pace. Um and when he came into my team, like the team I had at the time was a was a proper proper I had a lot of good players yeah. in that and you know, we probably used Wes in different... I played him on the right a lot because I felt, because he didn't have that pace, he'd come in and cause teams problems coming in onto his good foot and pick out a pass. Um, but there was no real coaching in Wesley, you know, and you didn't want to... Co- you, you, there's a difference with coaching and developing. Like mm. The coaching is, for me, is around when you get into that level and you're, you're, you're working on a game plan and how to win games and, and manage that end of it. The development is when you have them as young players and you, you're trying to develop them as players physically, mentally, technically, but... You know, don't take that ability that they have out, and that's that's where they've got to where they are at that level of football. You know, so it's trying to enhance that and, and bring that on. Um, and sometimes it can be. And if you take Wezo for instance, and a lot of the other players, and I said this as well last night. Um, there's been a lot of talk about national league academies, okay? Um, and for me, I think that's a big question that needs to be discussed discussed further because I've been in the league as a supporter since the late seventies as a player into the 80s and 90s as a manager and League of Ireland clubs and this is not a slant on some of the clubs now who are doing a brilliant job at academy level so League of Ireland clubs have neglected underage football for a long long time and the people who've developed all their Damien Duffs Roy Keynes John O'Shea's Robbie Keynes have left out loads of good Wesley Houlihan's the people who have developed them have been shunted to the side in this you know the schoolboy clubs all over Ireland in all the counties in Ireland have developed all these players for us for 50 years and yet they're being marginalised and left out of this, this, this equation and that worries me in, in relation to we're handing it over to, to League of Ireland teams that have had no real interest for, for a long, long period of time. So there has to be a, a joined up thinking in how that works. We can't have kids who can't play for I don't want to name a club. Can't play for a certain club because at that time they're probably not quite ready and they stay at their schoolwork club. But then they stop playing because they're quite not quite ready to play for and they lose that belief because they're not playing for a League of Ireland club and they're starting to stay at their local club. So there's a big question around that for me. And I think, and I'm not, I am not want to be critical of League of Ireland clubs in general because they, some of them are doing really good jobs. But no interest in them. Let's, let's be let's honest about this. Yeah, and, I, and that's the question of how you how you develop them young players. That's where it starts at that really, really young age. But but I suppose this is the fundamental thing, Pat. Like you want the best coaches working with the best players as much as is possible. Like you've seen someone like Alan Caffrey has gone to Shelburne now. You've seen that crossover between between the worlds, and it, and it just strikes me the way you're talking generally that like we're not sure what's happening. Rude doctor does. 
it's unlikely he's going to be here for the long term, you know, f- from the suggestion. It, it, str- it strikes me from whatever you're saying there that that is the most important position probably within Irish football at the moment, how that role is um, is governed, um, from what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I, I, I think that's very, very, very true. That role is so important because that role is what puts the structures in place to 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 develop the underage uh, system within, within the country. And that's both at boys' and girls' level. So that 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 position and that you know, and also there's a, there's a mindset of people who've you know been around the game for a while are not included in that debate, you know, and it, and it's and and that's again is 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 a is a discussion, but that position on it is right. It's 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 that is so key to the whole development of game because that's the person who puts the structures in place around all the underage development of the game, like I say, at, at, at boys and girls level. So it's a massive. And I don't know. I know. I don't know too much about Ruth Doctor's position. Where you know whether he's 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 extended his contract or he's staying on or he's moving on. I don't know. But it, it it's so important that we get that 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 area. And that's a bigger discussion, isn't it? That we probably started off talking about Ireland, but that's a huge mm. discussion around how we develop the game going forward over a period of time. This is not a quick fix. You're not going to fix this overnight. Like that's for certain. Um, but I think it's it's good to discuss it. And sometimes. You can have an opinion on it, and people take offence to that. It's not; it's the choice. I think Tommy said earlier on, we're all invested in the one sport. It's still the biggest sport in the country participation. But but let's be fair; we're behind the other associations as an as an development organisation, and that and that's proven in the fact that we don't have a sponsor. And this is years of absolute yeah, run horribly wrong. Um, you know, so I think probably some people that are. You have to be careful what you say, but there is other people still in position that should take responsibility. Yeah, I, I just want to clarify, so when I'm talking about coaching, I'm literally on about four-year-old lads who are just taught touch, 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 how to do one touch, pass the ball, not about winning, just get the basics right at a very early level rather than kind of being overcoached in that like players at six, seven, eight years of age, they're able to do things quickly because it's all about the quickness of movement and we're so lagging behind Serbia last night. They were doing things that we would it would take us twice as long to do it and I think that comes from an early age where we're just, we're not doing that in early age where it's like, it's second nature to us um, but moving on to a far more exciting issue I want to get both of you on this because you're managers um, Tim Clancy came out talking about refereeing um, at the weekend after the draw Sligo game I, 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 this is obviously a hot topic and we don't have a referee here that's fine um, but there is an issue which Dan touched on on Twitter as well that essentially we nearly have a laugh now when Ollie Horgan is banished to the sideline Tommy this is happening too much though and there's something wrong here I don't know if it's the managers if it's the referees or if it's the, the, the modus operandi but the, the, this is happening too often um, Tim had a major issue with why he was sent to the line and um, he's not here and neither is the referee but what's your take on it? Like any job you know or any industry there's going to be um, different personalities you know and like some refs you know, aren't going to, refs probably don't understand the emotion and, and emotion of, of uh, a manager on a sideline. And like, you know, if he's having a, a roar and nine, nine times out of 10, I can see the managers and coaches being respectful to referees. Um, but I think the times when they feel like that they're, they're getting a raw deal and, you know, all it takes in that situation, you, you want, you want someone to be a cool head. You want the fourth official to be a cool head and, and just calm them down and, that's fairly easily done, you know. Um, I think most managers don't want to lose their egg and don't want to get tipped. So I think you just need a cool head and 
to calm the situation and not be an aggressor. And I think some of them can. I'm not saying I don't know what happened the other day, but I certainly think some of them can, um, you know, take it a bit too far at times. But at the same time, it's a really difficult job and the managers have to, to keep their cool as well and, and diffuse the situation if it's getting out of hand. I'm sure Tim, look, looking back in it, probably regrets, you know, um, part of what he said, you know, because, you know, I don't think it's going to, you know, solve anything. I think the referees, we need to have, I think the referees are under pressure as well from the likes of assessors and, and that. And I think the whole system there, you know, needs to be looked at. And, you know, the fourth officials, they need to be, for example, like there's a linesman making a decision. There's some matches you are the fourth official making a decision. Some matches you go, the ref, the fourth will, will tell the, the, the referee that there's a, there's a decision to be made or there's a free kick or a penalty or whatever, the same with linesmen. But then there's other referees who say, say that, well, he doesn't want me to make decisions today. You know, and I make all the decisions. The linesman only puts up the flags for offside. So I think there needs to be consistency there throughout as well, you know. So there doesn't seem to be any consistency in, in how the referee, you know, and I think that's the most frustrating part um, for managers. Mm. So, but look, it's easy bash referees but at the same time, it's happening too much. Um, and I don't think the, the, the managers and, and um, coaches in this league are overzealous uh, by any means. So uh, particularly when there was no crowds at games and there's still people getting sent off. It's just a bit loud. It, they can be heard a bit more. So the feel that might have to send them off. I don't know, but uh, something has to happen. They have to sit down and have a discussion and see see how can they improve things and improve communication, you know, kind of talk to the the, the, the players and, and, and staff before games even and saying, this is how we're going to ref it, a bit like rugby, you know, like, look, lads, this is this is a sending off. Because yeah. it's kind of a bit, it's kind of a bit mad as well, even with, with tackles and challenges, like, you know, we don't, we don't know the full rules, like, mm. like there's tackles been in our league this year and sometimes they're free kicks and sometimes they're not, you know. Sometimes so they're not free kicks, sometimes, sometimes they're red cars. You know? like yeah, I, th I think, like, you know, to just go back to Tim's situation, I mean, he was sent off ultimately because it was on the advice of the fourth official, mm. um, Derek Tommy, just to clarify. And I think that seems to be a sort of a, a recurring theme that it's the, the guidance of the fourth official. And from speaking to managers and people around the league, this seems to be a, a big talking point that the fourth official will... will detail to the referee what was said and that's obviously what goes into the referee's report and like I'll come to Pat on this because I think it's someone who's not managing the league at the moment it's probably easier to discuss some of this we've had Mark Bertram talk about he, he would like video evidence to be brought in to actually um, just so they could record sideline interactions um, which to me is a sort of a, a mad state of affairs really that multiple, a couple of managers have said this now, that they're not satisfied with how their sideline interactions with, with fourth officials are being reflected in the reports when they subsequently go in front of a disciplinary committee to discuss their actions. And to me, it just seems like, Pat, like does, the, the, the one word is communication here, that there doesn't actually seem to be a great rapport between the people. There seems to be a degree of suspicion um, that exists there. And it's not very healthy, but like the, the quantity of sendings off of, of managers in our league where there's 10 games a weekend, um, 
seems disproportionately high to me, I have to say. And I don't know, if, maybe we have the worst ranters and ravers on the sideline in Europe in terms of language and conduct and stuff. But, I mean, with closed doors football, what I would say is I've been at games where there's no one else, there's no shouts of the crowd, and I'm not necessarily looking at the benches going, well, this is disgraceful conduct and behaviour. Um, but I don't know, Pat, what's, what's your take? Um. I think I think that's always been the case. Even you know when I started managing, I think you know sometimes what's said on the sideline is not, and I presume that's what the manager alluded to, is not actually what appears in the in the in the referee's report, um, and that leads to frustration from manager's point of view. I think one of the bigger problems is, is that the managers don't have any representation. Mm. Uh, the goat that I heard and <laughs> whatever whatever is in in the reports is taken as what was actually said. Mm. Uh, even Andrew puts in his report to say what he, uh, you know, felt was said, and um, so there's 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 no representation of managers in this country, which is which is a problem I feel, um, because sometimes they can be hung out to dry. Um, the other side of that, you know, and listen, I, I I've I've been guilty as well, and you know, not 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 but managers got to realise as well that there's there's a there's a line that you don't cross on the, on, on the sideline, but. I think if, if there's if if there's a case where managers are saying what's in the report is not actually what's taking place, well, that that's that's a serious accusation that needs to be discussed. Um, you know, but I I do feel that you know if there's a representation for representation for managers in whether it's in that disciplinary committee or you know an appeals committee of some sort, which is another really annoying thing, and you know that there is no appeal structure. Mm. Uh, cause you for appeal, you lose the appeal, you lose your money. Um, but there's certain things you can't appeal. Um, you know, and there's no consistency to, uh, to to it as well. I think it's always been the issue. Um, but the word you use is probably communication. You know, because in general, I think most of the referees and most of the managers get onto a point. Um, and and that heat of the moment time when 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 things are said and 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 react to it, then that that's always going to happen because the game is 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 uh, so passionate and, and I think and so. Lucky. Times. I think you're touching on the very for me. Sorry, I think the representation for managers has to has to improve. Um, they have to have a side of a story. You know, if 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 there's a referee's report, surely the manager and told to, to put his report in. But in my history of it, when I've been involved in it, it doesn't really matter what you say to that appeal or it's it's decision needs to be made and and you just have to accept it. Um, but it's happening too many times, like you say. And there's a manager coming in at Waterford who's never been involved in this league, and mm. done it many times. He's been sent off. He's been sent off a few times, hasn't he? And you know, um, the other side with Tim, and I have spoke to Tim because I obviously know Tim quite well, and you know, try to to sort of guide him and say, listen, um, you just got to be, you know, mindful of where you are, what you're saying, um, and a bit more control. He's a young manager as well, and he's starting out in the game, so. Um, I was no different myself, but it is an issue. There's no point in saying anything. And listen, a lot of the referees are are, are really, really good lads. Yeah, and, absolutely. And a difficult job. And it's a really difficult job because the rules change so often. I mean, he's a manager in the league and he's not sure what, you know, what's acceptable and what's acceptable and tackles free kicks. So maybe a bit of discussion between coaches, managers and, and referees and is probably what's needed. But I firmly believe there's there's representation of managers I, I think- required and that, that that it's not them. That's that that somebody is representing them to go and have that that discussion or give them a fair hearing when it comes I to th- appeals or, or I think that that is that 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 
That is a key point, Pat. Um, before we wrap up, um, briefly, Shamrock Rovers, I saw you at the game, obviously, in Tallaght when they were knocked out of Europe. I wouldn't say it's unravelling for them, but this is a sticky patch. But it's funny, I spoke with this last night, you know, because you're talking about Stephen Kenny's, uh, people talking about Stephen's position. Shamrock Rovers are top of the league, won the league last year, <laughs> and people are questioning what's going on. Listen, that's football. You're going to have Rovers, for me, Rovers hadn't got the team right at the start of the season because it brought new players. It lost some real key players. Middle of it, they got the, that that right and the balance of the team was right. They're on a sticky patch now. They've lost a few so injuries. There's a couple of, you know, scales has gone as well. So, isn't it? It's 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 like anything. You're, you're up there, you're going to be shot at. So, um, I firmly believe they'll come through. They've got quality in the team. The one thing I'll say is that they're probably, they've got midfield for me is a little problem with them where they've got so many of the similar type of players. Yeah. So, that's again, a balancing act of the team. But, I still believe they'll be at the top of the table when the season finishes. I don't think you'll disagree with that, though. No, I don't think so. And Tommy, just before we, we let you go, I mean, we have to ask you about your own situation with, with Treaty. Um, I think we had John at the start of the season, and I think you said you were going to be in the playoffs, and you were sort of saying it semi-sarcastically, and then we used the clip as though you like this was a, a confident, <laughs> bold uh, proclamation from, from Tommy Barrett this was going to happen. But to be fair, you've been competitive. And, and what's your assessment of where things stand as, the, as you enter that final run-in? Yeah, look, we have. We, and look, we're still not over the line yet. Obviously, you know, we're, you know, Cork are coming strong behind us and, um, you know, we're, we're 11 points ahead of them and, you know, we're three ahead of Bray. So we're just happy where we are. I suppose, look, start of the year, we, we felt that we just had to dig in there and, and get results. We were, we were, we were really you know, actually horrible, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> To do that to build a bit of confidence. Yeah, you're here on about how we have to play football a certain way, and then you watch Treaty. Jeez, (laughs) what's that? You're here watching Treaty. There's no pure purest football there. I'm telling you. (laughs) Ah well, look. Well, jeez, we're pure and Godwin. We're starting, to play, we're starting to play a bit in fairness. The, the knives are out now, I'll tell you. I'd like to disassociate myself from <laughs> laughing at that <laughs> remark. Go on, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we, we started to play with a bit, to, to, you know, towards the, the middle of the season. We got the confidence up, for sure. Like, you know, we, 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 um, we're, getting, we're getting a few results. But look, it's, there's a long way to go yet. And, and you know, I suppose the big thing for us is, yeah, you know, it's not about even in the playoffs or, or near them. Are certainly not not going into the Premier Division. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be good to be quite honest. And you know, um, so we'll just we'll do our best to the, to, to the end of the season, and we're enjoying the we're enjoying it for now. Enjoy Galway Friday night. Of course, we will. We always enjoy a trip to Galway. It's a lovely spot. <laughs> um, it's been great having you on, Pat. We have about a minute left here. Linfield, all going well up there. Yeah, at the moment, quite well. We've um, disappointed with Europe, to be honest, because we played really well in Luxembourg and, and, and should have went through. We missed a half full of chances and there was an opportunity lost, to be honest. But uh, we've only started, we've had one league game, two of our games have been cancelled because of international call-up. So, yeah, good start, three points out of three and onwards and upwards. Good squad, strong squad at the moment. So, it's going to be a tough season because Larne and Glen Torren have strengthened their squads really, really well. And obviously... Cliftonville have started the season really well so it's it's a tough league there's four or five teams that potentially could win that league again this year which is which is probably great for the league itself absolutely thanks a million for coming on lads Dan it's time to give away pizza the four star pizza question I mean we, we do try and make it topical in some shape or form so we've got Gavin Bazuno on the brain today right 
So people might think the question is who took the penalty in Turner's Cross that was saved, but you referenced it earlier on in the show, which led me going for a slightly different question in my mind. Um, Kieran Sadlier. You said it earlier in the show. <laughs> that the, that's the joke. <laughs> that was the joke. Sorry. Um, like it, sometimes, Johnny, I can't tell if it's a joke or did you just forget. Like it's like I said earlier on. That's you, the you, joke. You don't know what you did yesterday, like what you did two minutes ago. I mean, I was at Gavin Bazuna's debut for Shamrock Rovers against Bray. Uh, this non-descript game, and and just try not to give away any more question answer here. Quick answer. Here. Go on, we'll Could away. be giving you're, it all away. You're, you're actually not. But just did I know I was in the company of greatness when I started this podcast with you? Who knows? <laughs> I know I was in the company the of, of something. Um, so the Gavin Zuna question is I mean, he got come into the side in 2018 um, and his the, the last game before he was picked was a 5-2 defeat to Dundalk Jamie McGrath played in that game uh, Stephen Kenny was the manager um, but the question is who was the Shamrock Rovers goalkeeper in that game the Shamrock Rovers goalkeeper pre Bazuna again Johnny Brandon yeah, having to make his debut that night uh, he came off the bench I'm not sure if it was his debut but uh, again, you had to look of a man there who was about to start guessing on air. But no, Brandon Kavanagh did come on and impress that night. Um, but who was the Shamrock Rovers goalkeeper in the in the? You just thought of that like it, it was year. a plan B out of nowhere. Pre-Bazuna year. Pre-Bazuna. It was a, it was a plan out of nowhere because the Sadlier thing was obviously the. No, I, I did I did have that plan in mind everyone because I had to check teams and see who played in that game and stuff. Bazuna was on the bench. He was an unused sub in that game. Um, I do wonder if he were played instead he used to do the halftime penalty kiss competition in Tala when he was a couple of years earlier like there'd be fans coming onto the pitch and, to beat the under the 16 the, he was 14 or something <laughs> at the time I think he was and they couldn't like well I mean sometimes they, maybe sometimes they possibly did it reminds me of um, my penalty in Anfield back in the day which I think I've spoken about before anyway the fixtures at the uh, the fixtures at the weekend sure, no, <laughs> did, did you take a I didn't, didn't uh, Jan, Jan this is 100% right dear, dear viewer dear listener whatever you are dear de- Dan clearly scored this penalty or he wouldn't have brought it No, I didn't. Up. Okay. It was saved. Him. It was a Jan Malby's testimonial. It was saved. What age are you? I was uh, no, summer. It was the summer of 95 or it wasn't 96. I was 12 or 13. And you missed a penalty. So I was over playing at a competition in Liverpool and there was like 16 teams in the competition and one player from each team got drawn out to take a... a drawn a, by merit or just out no, of a hat? No, out of a hat, yeah. And uh, to <clears> take <throat> a penalty at half-time in front of the cop in Jan Malby's testimonial between Liverpool and PSV. Uh, there's a video of this. So I won the draw. Everyone probably thought it was a prick. And uh, no, More interest, so. no interest in Liverpool. But... I did get to go out and take, your take a penalty. Team, I would have been into Manchester United until around that time, actually. Mm. And then I, I took the League of Ireland Kool-Aid and that was it. But I, uh, nothing to do with missing the penalty. But I went on, but the goalkeeper wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, the equivalent of Gavin Bazunu. It was Rob Palmer, the Sky Sports uh, commentator, <laughs> who apparently was a decent goalkeeper in his time. Just, uh, just want to throw that in there. Yeah, like, he was but, a talented goalkeeper. Effectively, like, you know, Marty Morrissey, you know, was in goals for my, for my penalty. Uh, and uh, I struck it well. Um, did you look, was, look, at, look at his eyes or did you kind of... I couldn't see his eyes. He was way taller than me. To be right. honest, I looked at his knees. But um, I, I took now, the penalty. Now, you, you were 12. <laughs> you weren't three. Like. You weren't looking at his knees. I was like. pretty small at the time. Uh, definitely. You look know. at you now. Yeah. I went towards the, his right. Towards the top right. And uh, it was saved. And then he, did, he let some of the other ones in. And I was absolutely disgusted. But listen... No baggage no with that, 25 years on. Um, so the cop had seats at that stage, had it? Yeah. And yeah. there was a proper crowd there. Like there yeah. was, I think there was twelve or 13,000 people at the game. Have you ever played at Oriel? Uh, have I ever played at Oriel? It's a good point. 
I don't think I have. No, I, there's, there's been a, when the, the pitch opened up, there was a few charity games and fan games and stuff like that. But no, I actually haven't. Um, no, played the Aviva. Oh, in um, the journalist game. There was a journalist game to Aviva, but um, there was a part part of me like for years and years and years would have absolutely loved to um, play in, t- in Terryland Park, but um, <laughs> just to be clear again, do, do you Johnny know has just started to play with D- Dell. Our producer has just jumped up there. Getting, getting the pictures Johnny up has then. just took up the, the laptop on which we were recording the show. Well, my, my phone... To try, to try and look up the pictures. The, as I was saying there... Um, if, you're, if you're not hearing this, that didn't happen. Part of me um, for years and years and years obviously wants to play in Terryland Park and um, then the older you get, you're like... <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, it'll be I'll be so disappointed in 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 my um, sluggishness. Maybe you know this pitch is is better than this. Yeah, but yeah. but anyway, this we should get I'm through. Not, that. Let's let's gonna, let's have an express review of last week's Premier Division games really quick. We're having like one line reviews here. So the draw to United Sligo Rovers game, we've touched on it here. The big issue there is the, the Tim Clancy refereeing issue, which remains a live one. Pat's Longford, three two. Um, that's just, you know... John Owens pointed away. out an unbelievable intervention by Sam Bone when Longford were basically three-on-one to equalise. at and Paddy at Barrett. Uh, sorry, Paddy. sorry by, by Paddy Barrett, who did an unbelievable intervention. Paddy Barrett, some man, and Pat went up the pitch and made a three-one. One of those nights for Longford. Yeah, Waterford and Dock, I watched a good chunk of that game. And again, um, Waterford finished well. Dundalk's bench was very light. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know who's going to finish ninth at the moment because mm. Finn Harps beating Shamrock Rovers was uh, I mean, quite a result. Ollie um, Horgan. Four defeats in a row for Rovers. You, you, again, we've talked about it with, with Pat there, but the, the just quality to, to, the first goal. to put the stat in it, four defeats in a row. But yeah, an unbelievable first goal. first goal. And, and Tunday is just a great option for them up front. And if you have a striker in form in this run-in, like, that can just make, such, make it such a Very quickly, we may have asked you this before. Any other Belgian playing the League of Ireland? Any other Belgian playing the League of Ireland? Oh, I'm... I'm sure Waterford have had players in recent years who had come from Belgium, might have been raised there, but I'm not sure if they were sort of of um, a different, you know, mm. African country in the sense that... Do, te- do tweet in if you have uh, I'm an sure for that. there's no pizza for this answer, but I mean, mm. if... Uh, it might be. Actually. You've got Belgians mm. on the mind there. Where mm. did that come from? Tunday. Tunday Belgian. He is indeed. Oh, yeah. Born in Antwerp. I'm mm. sure that. There you go. I'm sure there's been one somewhere along the lines. You know? In fairness, Ali and the lad, like, they pulled him out of the fire. He's had an enormous influence. But, like, I, I will, Harps might be kind of pigeonholed as it seemed. Like, they can play football. That first goal was a beautiful goal. Against Shamrock Rovers, don't forget. Yeah, no. And, and, but I think the bigger point is Rovers are. Like, Four defeats in a row. Barry Cotter apparently was excellent. I heard mm. he had an incredible debut from speaking to someone who was there. Um, and a good signing. A last. Sometimes it's hard to sign good players at the last minute in that window. In that window, but they seem to have done that. But I mean, they're sort of just paddling along at the moment, and they play Waterford on Friday, which to me is a really interesting game because Waterford just have a bit of momentum. They're fit. Um, they have players who are new to the league who are probably with every game getting a bit more familiar with it. And Rovers, okay, they've had a, you know a week between these games, but Lopez has been away in international duty. He's important for them. Okay, Mandrew's back from his suspension for um, the, 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 the crowd incident in Daily Mount. Scale's been gone. Um, shouldn't scale's be gone is a big thing. It's just, I mean, Roberts will win the league, right? I think they will, but they're, they're a bit fortunate that there isn't a more polished challenger there. But all well, due let's respect, hope the, all the due Pats respect to Pats, is, but Pats are like, playing them in a couple Pats weeks. are in year one of the, Pats were nearly mm. in a relegation playoff last year. You know, they're in year one of their cycle and they're pretty close. Um, to it but I think you know they'd prefer to be next year a year on in their development and they'll probably drop points at Sligo you'd imagine um, in you think in, 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 yeah. 
like well they're odd they'll be odds against to win the game put it that way but this is a big challenge they, they scraped a draw there earlier in the season Sligo are kind of a strange one they've they've sort of been in in, in no man's land in a way since Europe and um, they've almost been forgotten about and you'd forget that they're obviously banged there for Europe still yeah they've had a dreadful dreadful run since Europe I mean actually Sligo Rovers and Shamrock Rovers is a parallel that whether European results are really bad or did it coincide with a loss of form or did one lead to the other you can sort of you can posit that theory and our old mate Jordan Gibson is uh, gone 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 to Carlisle so him and Lewis Banks old mate no he, he was on the show once I mean, on I, Zoom I don't even have his over number. half an hour don't have his number yeah. to be honest but I mean listen there's people in the media but even more tenuous claim friendships with people on the base of, of far less he's not our mate um, he's not listening because he's very in interesting commentary but um, yeah, yeah I don't even know if I'm, a pop. I'm just having a pop at someone I don't even know who yeah. they are um, draw, draw the bows on Friday I mean just every game seems so important now in the, that it could be relevant to either Europe or the relegation pitcher and that's one that sort of can, can go can go either you way you mentioned with that. Um, Jordan Gibson as well Des Gibson right he had a piece in the Irish soccer magazine I was like oh, Des Gibson, like, and it never. Twenty five years later, I realized who that was. All these characters wrote okay, for the now, soccer again, magazine. This is a classic moment. Again, Do you remember Johnny? Alan Dalton? This is a classic moment again, Johnny. Where you've forgotten that not everyone listening. Who, I would love to know how many people who listen to this know who Des Gibson is. There you go. Do you, do you want to tell them? Well, he's a journalist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell them. He's a leading journalist. What's Gibbo. It? No? Yeah, Des Gibson is yeah, the he's former like, editor of the Irish Star. Yeah. He wouldn't be necessarily a well known figure in the in the Maybe he wouldn't be former editor of the Irish Star. Yeah. Maybe it's just journalists. Maybe it's just maybe it's again you're forgetting that, that this like this is like the Trap Six incident last week where you just uh, the well known Bose fan Trap Six. Yeah, but I couldn't call him his name. But it didn't matter. Yeah, and by matter. the way, all Check the someone in Finn Harps knows many of these people is. All, so all the all the dis- accusations of a Bose loving then, and then you wanted me to go to an Ali Coot Zoom yesterday. I was like, I can't do any more Bose, like because I just I've, I've now gone down this rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. I just I, been I did get a lot of listener feedback last week to say it was right to pull you up on your managers rampant, actually slated yeah. me about it. Really, like managers? Yeah, well, obviously well, well, trap six. Yeah, tra- yeah. Again, <laughs> you're not getting the broader point that. Des Gibson's name would not mean a lot, and Des actually helped me g- give me a start in journalism. But I would explain that. Um, did he? Yeah, of course he, he was. Here we go. Yeah, of, co- yeah. of course, of course. Everyone has listening. Of course he did. Yes, because look at you now. <laughs> everyone listening to this is is actually plugged into our brain and our memories. Um, Derry Finn Harps. I see Derry got rid of all their tickets for that game mm. on on uh, on Friday. What's the crowd? So I'm actually not sure what it is, but they, their restrictions haven't been as sort of strenuous. And I think they've had 1,200 at some of their recent games. I think so. That that should be a good occasion, and there's something riding on that after the cup game. Big you game, know? yeah. And and Derrier, Longford and Dock is doing a game on Saturday. We mm. um, should mention. So um, it's actually the Dock really just need to win that. That's, if the Dock if if like. can't win that game, what are they going to win at the moment? So first division, first division. Um, um, Galway United hosting uh, Treaty in in a. It's it's a bit of a strange one with the with the playoffs because it kind of looks like the it's 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 almost been a little bit disappointing. It sort of looks like the second, third, fourth, and fifth is you can kind of predict it at this stage, if not necessarily what order. But the order isn't necessarily. Uh, it's important enough. Relevant. But yeah, Bray at loan we've got on Friday as well. Um, I wouldn't say Dulo enjoyed the concessions in last in, in Cork last week. Dylan McLeod though, what a strike! He's completely hot well, and cold. That fella. well, he, he turned it on against Go United, and yeah. that literally seemed to be by talking to Cork fans. That was Cork a bit shells. of an anomaly. And there'd be a good crowd at that game, I think, Cork mm. Shells. I think they've gotten a bit of a buzz going. And then, yeah. Alan UC- Reynolds back in turn is cross. UCD and Cabo, and then Wexford against uh, Cove. So that's our fixtures this weekend. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll. Uh, Any plans for the anniversary? 
might go for a bit of dinner later on. Anywhere nice? Um, uh, I've gone to Fallon and Burn in town. Again, conscious that not everyone listening to this would not be aware if you're not from Dublin or living in Johnny's brain. Um, it's a restaurant in Dublin. You know, some people might be familiar with it, but that's it. Yeah, it's Fallon your parents. We, we discovered that it's also your parents' wedding anniversary as well mm. today. This day, um, my mother's sister got married this day as well. It's just strange, like, uh, but when you when you click straight away, that's when Dan's anniversary, wedding anniversary. You should always remember. That's it. my folks. Although I did say to you today, something about your anniversary, and you were like, oh, yeah, my parents' I'd anniversary. Be, I'd be ringing my mother, and she'd be like, oh, I can't believe you. No, well, it's just Dan's <laughs> anniversary, and obviously, that was episode 26. Thanks to uh, the lads for coming in, and we'll be talking to you next week.